Welcome to the Armada Podcast with your hosts, Kalorn. Have a, I don't like camping. camping. And B, if you're going to light all the food on fire, I'm going to be very upset if I go no. camping with you. Fox Omega. There are literally dozens of examples of setting things on fire to cook it. And Armchair Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> That's my hot take for today. <laughs> and now, the Armada Podcast. Welcome back to the Armchair Armada Podcast. My name is Fox Armchair. Uh, with me today is our um, Grand Poobah, Armchair Jedi. Say hello, Armchair Jedi. Hello, everyone. And we have Kalorn as well. Hey, what's up, Kalorn? How you doing, man? Uh, I get to go to a tournament next uh, in two weekends, so I'm really excited about it. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. We, we we had made plans to go, and I didn't even realize it was up in the air, and we were going to ride together. And so I would have made a fatal error, um, miscalculation. So, but yeah, we both get to go. So, hooray! Yeah, it- it, it, it was going to happen. It was just a matter of like getting coverage from the from the mother-in-law. Got to get those kids. Really, the issue is you just need to teach your kids how to play Armada. So, you know, get on that. Um, okay. Well, today we have um, really like a huge wave of tournament results. So instead of like getting the microscope out and looking at individual lists, which I know we had a listener who reached out and said that they, they liked it when we went through individual lists. And we'll get back to that at some point. This first big wave was really, really large. So we decided to just take a bunch of the data points and consolidate it and kind of get like an initial reaction to what's happening. Um, Cause it's like the first wave after the errata. So uh, we, we've got that lined up. We have um, Objectives 102. Uh, we're going to talk about um, some different ways to structure your objective suites and, uh, with, with different archetypes and stuff like that. And I have a crazy food take for these guys. So we will get to there when we get there. But um, yeah, that's the whole show what we will be doing. This isn't the show. Like the show's not over now. That was just me like describing the show as it was going to, it was going to happen. So, but now we get to actually do the show. Like this is the show as it's happening right now, me talking. So, um, welcome to that. That's what's great. Um, do we want to start off moving with right shout outs? <laughs> yeah. Moving right along. Do we want to start out with attorney shout outs or are we just going straight wow, into yeah. the data? No, let's let's do some turning shadows first, uh, so people know uh, what's coming up. Sweet, um, armchair. Do you have that information? Turny shout outs. Yeah, um, coming up soon on November the eleventh in a place called Spanish Fork, Utah, is the Utah Open. It's at the Game Grid. Uh, sign up is on T four. It's a store championship, so please uh, sign up and support that. Um. I'm curious about the whole Spanish fork thing, but uh, maybe one of our Utah. I believe that's the name of a river that runs through that town. Oh, fork of a river. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. I was like, is it is like just down the road from like French spork? Does a, is a Spanish fork have like an extra, like l- little tine to it or what? Tine? I don't know. I, I, th- I thought it would have like, like, like two times. It's kind of curl out in a cool mustache. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah, so that's that's the um, the shout out. Also, just so you people are aware of, there's a whole bunch of um, uh, attorneys and stuff coming up down the road, um, including one that I believe our intrepid hosts are going to be at the Dragon Lair Houston Store Championship double header 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 header. Right, guys. Yeah, we're we're putting on a. They're putting on a store championship on Saturday and Sunday. We, we Keller and I aren't able to go to the Sunday one, but we will be there for the Saturday one. I think we're one shy. I think it's at 15. Um, but I think someone or two people haven't signed up or something like that. So we've hit the number for Saturday. We're looking for um, 
we're looking for a few extra people on Sunday. So if you want to come down to Houston and play Armada on Sunday, uh, do that. <laughs> wow. Um, can't buy alcohol till noon, but you can play Armada on Sunday. You can buy at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. with food. 10 a.m. with food. You can do that. Oh, at the venue? Uh, just in general. in general. Like Texas really? laws. Yeah. What's wrong with you people? Um, there's also uh, Store Championship at Whalen Games in the UK. Uh, one in Orlando the week after. And then one, two, three, four World Open Qualifiers to kick off December uh, leading up to the Christmas break. So it's going to start picking up pretty quick. People are going to have to figure out these changes, uh, what it means to them and their fleets. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. So Armchair, how closely were you watching these games that happened over this last weekend with the, with the new kind of, this would be the kind of the first round of tournaments with the new rules. Yeah, I, I actually, actually was not, I was, um, I was busy with family stuff and uh, you, you got one of you, I think it was you, Kalorn posted something in our chat about the the results and I was like, wait, wait, what's going on? You're like, it's Italy World Open Qualifier, dude. I'm like, oh, yeah, that. But I did spend a bunch of time this week kind of going over um, results and things and then updating my new spreadsheet. So I got to see all the, I got to live it all in slow motion through the data, I guess, if you. I think what, what one of the kind of the sucky parts about the way that this all went down is like you were maintaining like this list of data that was, went back to just after worlds of last year. And like, it kind of is invalid, like the whole thing, you know, because like now it just doesn't like, it doesn't all line up. Well, I don't know. Yes and no. It, it's definitely, there's definitely going to be like an A side and a B side to it, right? There's going to be what happened before and what happened after, but what I'm interested in, in seeing and, and what we'll kind of talk about briefly is that like, what are, what are the changes that came out of these changes, right? The, 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 how did the meta shift now that, um, now that crazy commander kin is now, you know, a little bit nicer commander kin and, and crazy ass matchstick is now just sedate matchstick. So I'll be able to do like the, the before and after comparisons, which will be neat. And then it'll also be interesting just to see what the, you know, across the whole game how those changes kind of filter through so on that let's take a look at the first few weekends post errata so this is a very small sample size we've got the italy and new zealand world open qualifiers and then um store championships from sacramento the twin cities minnesota fairfax virginia liverpool and i believe it's pronounced rokla in poland so we've got some international flavor. We got a couple of world open qualifiers and a handful of uh, championships. I want to give a shout out. I, and, I, and I don't know if this was intentional or just a, a happy accident, but I want to give a shout out to people at the Liverpool store championship who wrote stories in their fleet lists. So I had something to read while I was doing all my data entry. I appreciate that. Um, there was a couple things that kind of popped out at me. There was um, a lot of people experimenting with the Sienna Valen Volt uh, Scaris uh, squadron balls for the Empire, which is kind of neat. And there was a bunch of different uh, commanders that we saw um, that we haven't seen in a while. And um, yeah, it's just just kind of a neat to kind of shake, see a shake up, and then um, see how it kind of started to filter out. So, so basically, yeah, if, if you know, just this one one big weekend plus the New Zealand qualifier, which was fairly small, and there was uh, there was also a store championship in Denver. But the, the results went funny, so I, I didn't get all that. They're mostly three-round store championships, so bear that in mind. But um, because a bunch of players didn't submit lists, we have exactly 100 lists to look at, which makes all percentages super easy. So overall, we're kind of back to where, I don't know, we kind of quote-unquote expect to be. 36 Rebels, 39 Imperials, 11 Gar, 14 Sis fairly even fairly balanced you know the 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 clone wars factions still tailing behind but those numbers are higher than i think they were pre or post worlds when it comes to commanders i mean we got ramadi had a big price increase agate had a price increase anakin got rewritten so with that in mind the rebel commanders agate is still the most popular commander 10 out of the 36 rebels taking her 
also saw a big uptick in Akbars and then a handful of other stuff. There, there, were, there were three Leias, there was a couple of Garms, and there was a single Draven uh, player. And good on you for, for trying that out and see, seeing how to make that work. On the Empire side, Sloan and Maudie are still at the top of the lists with nine each. Uh, Ozzel, Jerry, Ramadi, there were only three Ramadi players out of the 39 Imperials. So that has taken a steep, steep drop. That's really surprising to me. Like, I didn't really think that eight points would be that much of a swing. A lot. But, well, I guess that brings them into balance. I don't know, I guess, with the other commanders. Like, because Mahdi and and Jurjurad, like, and Sloan, those are those mid-20 commanders that, Mm -hmm. you know. And so now Ramadi is just slightly above that, and I guess that makes a difference. And plus his um his his favorite ship's got a, a big uh, point hit too, Corn. Oh, I was just gonna say is like how many of these groups uh you know how many of these got taken because you know you take Ramadi because he's twenty points like your options mm. are do I do I take Ramadi or do I take Ozil? I think we kind of all agree that Ozil is probably the better choice tactically, but I mean when you're looking at it, you're like okay, do I want more speed adjustment or do I want to be able to, you know, get extra dice. And I think that, you know, especially when you're kind of a newer player to the game, it's easier to, you know, to conceive of what happens when you just get extra dice rather than getting, you know, a, you know, an advantage in, in speed, if that makes sense. So the fact that he is no longer like the default, oh, this is the cheapest commander choice, I think that's probably going to affect his numbers up to a pretty big degree. Yeah, good point. Yeah, because now that you do have to pay a little bit extra for them, you start looking at what else is in the in the toolbox, and you go, well, if I'm paying 28 for this, maybe I'll pay 26 and and, and build this way instead. So that may, that's a good point. On on the Gar side, um, Bale is now by far the most popular commander. Uh, almost half of the of the Gar lists were Bale lists. Uh, there were two each, Lumi and Admiral Tarkin, and one each, Yularen and New Anakin. And then on the Separatist front, Martuk is back. Five Martuks, three Grievouses, two each for TF and Kraken, and one each for Trench and Dooku. So I think that's everybody on the CIS side was represented. All but Plo Koon on the um, Republic side was represented. And then, like I said, just some some interesting other choices you see filtering in on the Rebel Imperial. There was a, a Darth Vader that won uh, in one spot. There were the Leias and the Garms that I mentioned. So interesting kind of initial look at the shakeup of of commanders and, and again these are mostly drawing from three round store championships so take that with some um, with some salt I think what I like here even even though bale and Martuk are the clear leaders it the the fact that we've got wide representation here is really promising like um this is the widest representation of CIS commanders we've seen um, like every single one represented and in numbers like Trench and Dooku trailing at one each, but like three Grievouses, uh, that's quite a bit. Two Krakens. We're not used to seeing that. Um, and then uh, Gar, it's kind of expected. I mean, I don't know. I feel like Gar kind of had a 100% reset. Um, like they were the Anakin, Basically, one hundred Anakin and Matchstick, one hundred percent changed that faction, and I, I think there's a little bit of reverting back to where we were at Worlds, honestly, to a degree. Um, and I think Euloran was coming out of favor, and Bale was coming in. Uh, but I think those numbers will come up, and I think as more people experiment with Anakin and purchase more uh, core sets, <laughs> because you need more. Uh, more C70s to make Anakin really, really good. Uh, I think I think those numbers will come, will balance out a little bit. So it's it's really cool to see. I like it a lot. I, I like this the change in, in commanders that we're seeing here. A gate, not so much, but everything else, I like it. Yeah, and like the the number, like there were two Kraken. There were only five Kraken in, in the whole first half uh, list data that I that I have. So that's cool to see. Um, looking at ships, um, there were a couple Starhawks. There were four SSDs over the weekend. Um, one thing I was curious curious about was how are Onagers going to split? Now there's only a four point difference between the two uh, hulls, right? Is it going to be? Are you going to see them all just kind of default up to this uh, the Star Destroyer, or is that four point still going to be a break? 
and people are going to want to take those points and use them elsewhere. So uh, 10 onagers in this batch of stuff, four Star Destroyers, six test beds. And uh, shout out to the player who took a S Donager, a Star Destroyer Donager fleet in Poland and came in third. Uh, a a Star Destroyer? Is that what you call it? I, I, I was calling it like an S Donager, but a Star Destroyer. Oh, yeah, S Donager. I don't know. Star Destroyer is kind what of What else did he put Stonager. in the list? Like, was it just two ships or what? Like, <laughs> like how do you like how do you even fit stuff? I will tell you in just a sec. So this is uh, super quickly. This is uh, Pyotr. Oh gosh, I'm sorry, Kaluza. Uh, he was flying an Ozel. He had a uh, Star Destroyer with Nita Ordnance Expert Sensor Teams reroute circuits and uh, Red Beam. Um, and then he had another one with Sunder Price, yada, yada, yada. And then he had XI 7s instead of the reroutes. And they had a Gazanti with Officer Vader and Comsnet, a Naked Gazanti, and Sienna and Valen. Ooh, I like that. That's, That's interesting. Really quite interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. Really interesting. Huh. Yeah. Well, good that for one, him, that man. That's on, awesome. Um, it's on T4 if, if, you, if you want to look at it at your leisure instead of having me speed read it to you. That's the uh, the Rokla Bolter tournament on the 28th. Um, where, well, yeah. So yeah, the onagers are there and it is an interesting spread. Again, we'll, we'll see how that develops over time. And the other thing I noticed was that um, people taking only small ships, so, so no mediums, no larges, only small ships, was roughly 11% of the total field, which isn't a lot, but that's up from 7% in the pre-errata data. So that's in, an encouraging sign that maybe the uh, MSU uh, population is going to recover a bit. And then quickly in the winners categories, there were, there was a single rebel winner that was uh, commander Sato. And that was at, sorry, that was at the uh, Italy world open qualifier. There is a Piet that won in New Zealand, a Vader in Sacramento and a Sloan in Poland for the empire. There were two bail winners, one at Liverpool and one in Twin Cities. And uh, the last one, I don't have the the winner for the uh, the Denver Store Tournament, unfortunately. And the winner at uh, Dragon's Concord in Virginia was a Sloan. So edge well, to Empire so far, but bail coming on strong. Quick, quick correction. So Sato, which was flown by um, Black Admiral at the Italian World Qualifier, he was first at the end of day one. But Aresius, oh, who was flying his Agate Liberty, uh, was one day two. That a corruption. Yeah, he was. Uh, uh, oh Daniel yeah, was, no, that's yeah, that's my fault. That was Agate. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. All good. I, I, I but but yeah, I mean, I, that fleet was crazy. Like the the Hammerhead Swarm and the the APTs with Luke in there. Like my goodness, that was a that was a crazy fleet to do as well as he did. Man. But yeah, Aresius, Aresius finally getting a Aresius, yeah, finally getting a big win. Like that was really cool to see because he's been flying a Gate Liberty for a long, long time, um, and uh, it's really cool to see him pull down that win. So good job, man. Yeah, sorry about that, Aresius. Congratulations, and uh, I, 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 I'm glad you won. Unfortunately, you've got the wrong support team on your MC80. So just, just take a look at that before Worlds. All right, Killorn. Uh, Killorn. Yeah. He which which one did he have? Killorn. Do you know? I honestly did not see. I was uh, looking at Daniel's fleet. <laughs> it, was, it was the wrong one. Daniel one. It wasn't nav teams. It was the other. It one. was the wrong one. Yeah, the answer was the wrong one, Kalorn. So, yeah. So uh, I mean, if he was doing engine checks, he was clearly doing it right because he won. <laughs> yeah, but he could have won even harder if he. Had it, it's funny. It's it's funny. It's funny because Aresius has been flying that 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 forever. I I like. I swear that dude has gotten more sevens with that damn fleet than any person in Armada history. I'm not dude, even kidding. He's so, lucky Mr. Seven, dude, for sure. Yeah. No, he, but he's he's the reason why Mon Karen got nerfed. Like, really, honestly. It, it's funny because when you go and you look at what, like how he plays that fleet, he like, it, it's not passive, but he is very selective about when he chooses to engage. And like, it leads to all these sevens. It's just insane how, like how consistently he gets a seven. 
Yeah, so that's basically it for the quick wrap up of or the quick roundup of the the stuff that's happened to date. Um, I think I think things are going in a, in a neat and interesting direction, but I think we'll have a much better feel for it mid December after a bunch more World Opens uh, qualifiers. I, I honestly, I I kind of don't expect the meta to settle until we actually get to Worlds. Like at the point that we are at, at currently, like it's there's too many people trying too many different things. And it's just we're not going to um, we're not going to have a chance to do any you know we're not going to have anything conclusive um, right now we're just not uh, you know and it's uh, I think that we're just going to end up with uh, you know people try I think that the environment that we have is far more conducive for people to try things than it was pre. Rapid reinforcements too, or pre or the rata to rapid reinforcements too. So I mean, in that sense, I think it's great, uh, but it's it's certainly going to be something that we're just not used to seeing for uh, you know for a while here. So I, I I'm looking forward to seeing what people come up with. I just I don't think we're going to have like a meta until much later. Cool. <laughs> um, do you disagree? Right. Do you think? Do no. You think that I... we're, we're gonna... I agree. Like, no. You guys, I, I put that out there and then nobody said anything. So nobody I don't know what you're doing. I'm just going to let leave that there. I, th- um, I think there are no. some things that are going to settle. Like I think we're seeing commander selection, like I mentioned earlier. Commander selection is getting real interesting on the Empire side now, which is cool to see. Um, and and definitely Empire's in flux. Like uh, D- uh, Star Destronager, like that that's an interesting take that we really haven't seen before. Um, and yeah, I, I, there are just, I, I'm not seeing many changes with rebels. I'm not seeing there are some changes in CIS. I think honestly, we're kind of there. Some things are balancing out a little bit to what it was before uh, rapid reinforcements two came out, honestly, like, but we'll see. Uh, it could be like, it, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, I think I think you're probably right. I mean, it, it took us, you know, six months or so to get to this point where they they kind of wiped half the slate clean, and now it's going to take another six months. And I feel like, given the sort of in the competitive world anyway, given the cadence of the year, Worlds is kind of the the point where everybody stops and takes a breath and looks back and goes, okay, what what did people bring to Worlds? What had happened past year? What am I doing going forward? It's kind of a you know, it's it's a good break reset kind of point. Uh, and then, you know, maybe rapid reinforcements three question mark AMG. We'll see. All right. So we're we moving on to our next segment. I'm going to go ahead and move on. Um, objectives 102. So we talked a lot last week about a bunch of different things. Um, it felt kind of scattered as we were talking about it because about halfway through, we realized, shoot, there are just so many things to talk about with objectives. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to encourage everybody before I get started, if you want to follow along, go ahead and open up a fleet builder or break out your cards and look at these objectives as we talk about them. But we're going to, the exercise we're going to use today is we're going to give some theoretical builds and talk about, uh, what kind of objectives you would be attracted to, or what would be more competitive for your fleet. Uh, and then we're going to talk about different play styles. Like if you like, to do X in the game or Y in the game, uh, some uh, some objectives for you to try uh, and to match your fleet up to. So um, without further ado, the first archetype we're going to run with, so we're, we're going to start with, we've got four different fleet archetypes that we're going to talk about. So the first archetype is big heavy. So if you're flying two heavy ships, two large ships, or a superstar destroyer, um, what are the types of objectives? Like what, what kind of suites are you building out? I'm going to start with you, Kalorn, because this is like, it's close to your preferred, um, like play style. So I think you might have a lot of great things to start us off with. Well, I mean, when you, when you first started to talk about this, I'll talk about the red objective first. You, you're generally going to want to, if you're playing two heavies or you're playing a superstar destroyer, you're almost certainly going to have a Gazanti of some kind. So, uh, you know, 
most wanted becomes very, very appealing because you want to be getting those big hits in, add damage and that kind of thing. Um, if you're playing something without gunner teams, it, the, there's the possibility of advanced gunnery. It, it's kind of a more of a double-edged sword than, um, than most wanted is in a lot of ways, but it's definitely something to, to think about if you're going to play, you know, something like Simons that uh, with boarding teams or something kind of crazy like that, uh, because you don't have uh, gunnery teams, which if you don't know, uh, if you have gunnery teams, advanced gunnery is prevented from working, period, because they cannot on uh, on the gunnery teams supersedes everything else. Uh Moving on to the yellow, you have some different options there uh, with, you know, you know, with your big ships, you know, asteroid tactics has certainly a possibility to get your tokens back uh, as you, uh, as you, uh, you know, you kind of sit there uh, and sit, sit on the asteroids. The, uh, your other options are kind are more in the way of things like um, contested outposts where you want to kind of sit, and you typically with these kinds of fleet have a, de- a deployment disadvantage. So you're to be able to sit behind your, your station and, and farm points and make them come to you. That's often appealing for, for people uh, that are playing fleets like this. Um, other than that, it starts to get a little tricky if you, if you want to go in other directions, um, you know, but you, Planetary ion cannon is something because again you're trying to, to overwhelm people. You don't and you get more sources of damage because you you're not you're not stressing people's tokens with just two ships usually, uh, or or a superstar destroyer. And then if you get into the blue objectives, uh, you know solar corona as we talked about a bit last week, you know supersedes the deployment disadvantage that you typically have with this kind of fleet. Uh, Doom station uh, does a lot of the same thing as contested outposts in, in allowing you to. Um, in allowing you to you know get that deployment advantage or supersede it and get points for sitting behind the station, uh, but you also get to repair on that station in this way. Uh, you also get to move stuff around, which can be um, you know advantageous. And you know even having the 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 rift in and Doom Station can be advantageous for this kind of fleet as well. Uh, you know, infested fields is always a good option. Uh, just across the board, uh, it's because and and because the, this fleet typically doesn't have a lot of squad support, and you can use those um, the you know the uh, exogorths to help you against the other squads. Any big ones that I missed along the way there? I don't. I mean, this isn't my this isn't my sort of my zone. I, I haven't played big heavy. I haven't played SSD or Starhawk. So uh, I'm kind of looking at this from, from the outside in. And I was kind of curious um, why you wouldn't say something like, um, like surprise attack, maybe on the reds uh, to pin, you know, your opponent into a, into a spot there. You can then kind of uh, jump on them. Uh, and then at the yellows, it was uh, fleet and being it seemed like a good one to help keep your big ship, uh, alive and and under control. Yeah, those are good. I I tend to define um, big heavy objectives into two categories. Either you're going with really offensive objectives, or you're going with really defensive objectives. So, um, like for instance, uh, contested outposts versus like something like rift ambush or um or like asteroid tactics, like those two are more um, like I'm going to come get you versus contested outposts is I'm, you know where I'm going to be, come and get me, see what happens. And I think that has to do with the flexibility of big heavy uh, because the big large ships have so many upgrade slots and you can customize them in so many different ways. You can get them like if you had an invincible Providence, like you can upgrade that thing to the nine versus if you went the more salvo heavy route, like maybe you want more of the offensive big heavy objectives. But I think Kalorn covered a lot of them. I think uh, like armchair, you're right. Uh, I like fleet and being a lot of people don't, but I like it a lot. I think it's a really good choice to get people more centrally deployed and coming at you. um, If you're really confident in your capacity to table them. Um, I like it a lot. It's also really good Sloan uh, counterplay, uh, if no one's ever thought of that before. So I don't think Sloan would ever pick that, but just something to think about. Um, yeah, all good options. 
just one thing that I was going to point out here is that these types of fleets are generally not types of fleets that you are going to have an attrition type of play style. Uh, you demo in an SSD or a double large type of fleet, you're generally playing an all or nothing type of game where if you lose a ship, it's unlikely that you're going to trade up for losing a ship in one of those fleets. So anything that can keep your, keep you alive or that can, you know, help you uh, anticipate what your enemy is going to do to outplay them. You know, those are the kinds of things, or even get you get you points to offset if you do lose a ship, like contested outpost can. Uh, that's what you're kind of looking for here, because you can't trade a ship for enemy ships, if that makes sense. Yep, all good considerations. Um, okay, so I guess the next the next archetype we need to try to give some advice for on objectives and probably the most varied one is going to be msu um armchair do you have any objective advice for people flying msu so msu is something that i've tried and failed miserably at a few times um i feel like this is kind of where you want to look at again i mean most wanted doesn't really have a bad place unless you don't have something small like a like a flotilla to, to put it on and with an msu it's great because now all of your ships are getting those bonus dice when you're attacking the objective ship so if you have a flotilla and four or five combat ships each of those combat ships is going to benefit so the the impact of that of that choice multiplies a lot better it scales a lot better that way uh, than it would you know if you have like an ssd like we just talked about you'd get one ship that gets the bonus dice um, when you're looking at the yellows for um, for MSU, I like planetary on cannon. It kind of gives you a little bit of extra help, a little extra shots from your ship um, for your ships to, to help wear down and overwhelm the uh, the enemy ships. Um, depending on the fleet, you might think something like abandoned mining facility. If you've got something with, and I think this is probably mostly in the in the CIS kind of wheelhouse where you've got small ships with with engineering three and 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 what tambor to, to help you out um but that's an interesting one to look at there asteroid tactics is 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 good because it can help you out with the squadrons and your defense tokens um yeah and then on the on the blues again like um infested fields is just is just always good but you can do stuff like um uh stuff like um uh, what is it I'm drawing a blank here. Was it? I think it was no, not dangerous territory. I can't. Remember. Shoot, I've forgotten my third one. But um, yeah, I'd go with infested fields. That's my favorite. Uh, there's a couple that I want to uh, point out here for uh, MSU types of play. The first one being the red objective blockade run, uh, which I think is a really interesting one uh, for MSU players because if you get a bunch of your ships past them and into that de- that enemy deployment zone, you can really rack up cl- uh, points in an MSU-style fleet faster than in a lot of others. Um, in the yellow objective, I think there's a, you know, there's a case to be made for capture the VIP. Uh, you can kind of sacrifice a ship in an S- uh, uh, MSU type of fleet to pick up that token and then kind of go somewhere where it's never going to be a problem. Uh, and then, you know, hyperspace assault is compelling. If you're not playing, if you have a, a decent medium ship or even like a demolisher type of ship, where if you get a chance to, if they take hyperspace assault and you have demolisher and you put demolisher in the back of, of you know, the enemy's fleet, they're toast. Like it's real, real bad. So a couple of interesting options there uh, on the navigation side. Uh, I think volatile deposits is a really compelling option for uh, for MSU style fleets for reasons that I'm sure Fox will um, proliferate on wildly here in a few minutes. Uh, but yeah, no, a, cu- a couple of interesting options. I remembered my blue. It was Intel sweep. Same same kind of idea as with um, as with uh, capture the VIP. If you got somebody who can go grab the 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 Intel sweep uh, token and then run away, that's seventy five points in the bag. Yeah, so um uh yeah, MSU by far has like some some of the most options uh available. I think for your red, you're going to like the important thing to think about with MSU is how it's applying damage, uh, your damage application plan, your dap. Um 
it's applying damage through many, many pockets of two to four dice, um, which can overwhelm uh, defense tokens. It can overwhelm uh, a lot of things if it's done properly. But um, think about what that does uh, as far as scoring objectives or for how quickly you can burn something to the ground. So for reds, if I'm flying MSU, I'm looking at two different sets of, of, of objectives. One set where I can, I have the option in my MSU to set dice. So ion storm, if I can set crits, ion storm, I can farm so many points, especially with CR nineties. I, I think I mentioned this last week, a crack in CR nineties with TRCs can farm the heck out of irons, ion storm. 15 points a pop every time you proc it. And with TRC, you can set that die to a crit. Um, close range intel scan isn't one that gets a lot of play, but if you're flying Kraken, this is a really good objective. Um, and especially if you're doing like Kraken streakers, where it's a bunch of hard cell transports with no upgrades. It is so easy to get, maybe, sometimes even a natural accuracy to score those points. So those are two within the reds that you can you can use if you can set dice the two where you if you can't you're going to be looking for um most wanted and you're going to be looking for um uh i'm going to say opening salvo but that also i I mentioned this last week it has to do with your the engineering value of your ships i wouldn't do opening salvo with a bunch of um like cr90s i would do it with um I don't know, Peltas, uh, Hard Cells, Gladiators, ships that have Engineering 3. That's where that really helps. Um, In your defense objectives, your yellow ones, uh, Capture the VIP is a good option, although you want all of your ships contributing, and Capture the VIP kind of makes you want to flee combat. Um, So unless you've got like a flotilla in in your fleet, it's not really a good option. Uh, someone mentioned asteroid tactics. That's always a good one for for squad defense. Um, hyperspace assault's really good, and I, I the two that I'm going to highlight: jamming barrier and planetary ion cannon. Uh, armchair, you nailed it. Planetary ion cannon does exactly what MSU wants it to do, and that's add another like attack. Like that's one more consideration for defense tokens because that that blue crit will will exhaust one of the, one of their defense tokens like that's brutal when you're up against MSU and then jamming barrier it's always nice to have that defensive option uh to protect yourself against uh star destroyers or something like that um that's really really good for blues those those have already been talked about i think one other one that i want to highlight and one that Jason Diedrich used in his Easter fleet is hyperspace migration it really only works with MSU um, because of the timing of the objective. You get the token at, um, let's see, at, at the end of the round, you gain a token if you're distance one away from it. And then at the next round, if that ship is still alive, you can turn in that token for 20 victory points or for a, for a victory token that's worth 20 points. So like ideally, You've got if you can keep all of your tiny ships close to the the space whale, the Purgle, um, f- up like at the end of round three, that's however many ships you have times twenty worth of victory points that you're going to get. That's a crazy amount. In Diedrich's fleet, he had what was it nine ships or something like that, or was it eight? It was something, some crazy high number. But imagine that, like, like before. Like round five, your opponent has eight times 20 uh, victory points. Like, that's wild. So, um, I'm sorry. No, 16 times 20. I'm sorry. That, that, that would be after, after two rounds. They've got eight times 20. 16 times 20. That's crazy. Um, that's a 10 without anything blowing up. So, it's a really cool objective. Something fun to look at. You have to be watch out for onagers with that one. But, um yeah, that's my spiel on MSU objectives. There's so many good ones. There's so many really cool ones. So um, have fun. Um, the next one is 134 points in squads, but they're multi-role. They're not bombers. Uh, or they, I guess some are bombers, some are not. 
plus a large. So something like um, the Foxhawk, something like, um, let's see, uh, uh, the fleet that I flew at LSO uh, or like the recent store championship where it's like a, it's an, it's an ISD with a bunch of fire sprays, those types of things. Um, like what are some objectives uh, that you would take here? Kellorn, what do you think? Well, if you're going squad heavy and you're not choosing strategic, uh, I'm going to start with the easiest one of the lot, and that's going to be superior positions. Um, and superior positions as your blue is kind of the the no brainer. Uh, you can if if somebody picks it, you get a massive deployment advantage, and any time that you shoot at them in the rear, you get a token and, and take and score 15 points. Like it's it's absolutely horrifically bad uh, if you uh, if you, especially if you played against somebody that doesn't have any squads at all. Uh, so if if you see somebody that has superior positions and you don't have any squads and they have a bunch, don't pick that objective. It's it's real bad. Um, moving back to to the red, um, the red is a little bit more difficult. If you have a whole bunch of bombers, um, so if you're uh, you know uh, like a, a Gar fleet that's running a bunch of Y wings or um, um, arcs, or if you're a rebel fleet that's got X-Wings or something along those lines, precision strike is just an absolutely brutal objective. Uh, if you can start flipping cards and you, know, you, you, uh, uh, I, there was one game that I played against someone where uh, they had a, they only had one card on them and I flipped it three times on a Pelta to discard all three of their defense tokens. It was the, the one that, uh, you discarded defense token and then flip it over. So I just made them flip that three times. Peltas without defense tokens die real fast. Let me tell you, um, you know, plus you get points every time, time you do it. There are times with that objective where you will like literally not kill a ship because you want to farm it for more tokens. Um, so it's, it's kind of one of those weird uh, ones that change the game in a fair amount. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, you can still go with most wanted and advanced gunnery, like for the reasons that we talked about in, in the double large, they're pretty, they're kind of just uh, normal, good objectives. Uh, beyond that, the reds are, are kind of a, a difficult area for, for that kind of fleet. The yellow objective is where things become really, really difficult for uh, for this kind of like squad heavy type of fleet that doesn't have strategic. Because without strategic, you can't pick a number of these yellow objectives that, w- that would otherwise be really good. There's one that it seems like it'd be a no-brainer, and that's fighter ambush. And so the advantage of fighter ambush is that you get to you score 15 points every time that a squadron performs an attack against a ship and the defender is dealt a damage card. That's great. The problem is the price that you're paying to take that objective. And the price that you're paying to take that objective is that you have to set all aside all of your squads and deploy your ships before anything else as the second player. And this is a pretty big deployment disadvantage offsetting that then you can place them up uh you can place them anywhere on the board uh within distance one of an obstacle as long as they're distance five beyond the first player's edge that sounds great but in practice you, you know you're if you try and put your squads too close to an enemy fleet and you can't support them or they don't have rogue or something like that it just doesn't really work uh, you know talk to you know gar players uh, about using hyperspace rings, bef- uh, you know, before Matchstick was released in the original form, it just kind of didn't work. Um, so beyond that, Asteroid Tactics is a, is kind of the, a default option that we've talked about for a bunch of times. Um, and then you have Fleet and Being, which Fox alliterated pretty well uh, in in the last uh, section, and then uh, Hyperspace Assault, which can keep a carrier type fleet. Uh, like if you have a quasar or something safe um, and you can put that somewhere where they don't want it to be. Fox, what do you got? Yeah, I think the yellows with this, with this archetype, 134 non-strategic plus a large, I think this is where like you're going to start thinking about what kind of piece can you add to your fleet to make an objective work? For example, uh, you're a rebel and you've got 134 in squads. You're not flying VCXs, um, and you've got like an MC80 or something like that. Um, and you're like, man, what objective can I leverage? You should look at asteroid tactics, and you should look at Lando squad, and go, hey, yeah, that's the easiest one of the whole bunch, right, right there. But, but, <laughs> wow. but this that's an example of what I'm talking about, where you can go like, hey, if I just add this piece, all of a sudden this objective is really easy to leverage. You're a separatist player, and you've got um, a Providence and two hard cells, 
and you're like, man, what, what, and, and a bunch of squads. Like, what, what objective am I going to take? Well, add Watt to one of the ships, and you can take AMF. Like th- these types of things. Uh, like th- this is where I- I've discussed this multiple times now. Where the yellow one, you're going to need to think about constructing your fleet a little bit around leveraging one of these yellows. And uh, admittedly, this is one of the hardest archetypes to create a legitimate one to leverage. So you're going to have to think about how you're going to add something in. Um, it, I've I've done this archetype where I've purposefully added in a gladiator, a, a demolisher, uh, so that I could take hyperspace assault. Like th- those are the considerations that I've had with these types of these types of fleets. So um, it's fun though. It's I, I enjoy that part of fleet building. I've mentioned it multiple times. So, uh, but that's where you got to really start thinking about it. And I guess one thing to note here is this is where you were thinking about adding something, you know, there are, there's fleets that rely on strategic, you know, to get points. Uh, And we'll talk about those in a second, but if you add a single ship with strategic, like a single Lambda or a single VCX there, that kind of opens up what Fox was talking about. If you had a single VCX in like a, a gate Liberty list and take capture the VIP, because you can grab that on turn one and your gate Liberty isn't invincible, but it's the next best thing. And you're basically guaranteed to have 50 points. If you are a, a Imperial player and you take one Lambda and say, I'm going to take planetary ion cannon and move these tokens around the board and make them be absolutely miserable for you and take all three of the planetary ion cannon shots for the cost of me taking one Lambda. It, those are like that to me is different than the fleets that we're going to talk about in a minute. Right. Uh, do you disagree Fox? No, that's right. Uh, armchair. What do you have any, you have any, uh, you have any advice for these, these types of players? Uh, I, I was just going to give a, an honorable mention to our friend most wanted again. I mean, most wanted just seems to, to be not a bad choice in so many different um, lists, but if, if you're, if you're 134 plus large or something like an ISD or something, that's got a big punch to it. You're going to have a flotilla in that list, almost guaranteed. You know, most wanted lets your combat ships contribute more to the fight, while your 134 also contributes to the fight. Um, and yeah, what, what you were saying about you know adding that one specific piece to kind of make some of these yellows pop is is is, is a good piece of advice. I think it's, it's, I always struggle with my yellows uh, whenever I'm building a list, so that that's something that I think maybe kind of happens subconsciously, but, but it's nice to kind of hear somebody say it out loud and kind of like, you know, put it in your brain like that. I can face this a lot with my Sloan fleets because my Sloan fleets are kind of like, are this type of archetype. And it's always like, I was having a conversation with Fox about this the other day. What do you take as a yellow? And like, you can go through the entire list and evaluate every single one and none of them quite fit in a Sloan fleet. So you tend to end up playing this yellow objective or most wanted um, a lot. And, you know, people are no, usually know enough to not take superior positions against Sloan. Yeah. Um, I, hopefully the listeners are, are hearing the same names on some of these objectives over and over again, like most wanted infested fields for your red and your blue. If you can just incorporate aspects of your fleet to leverage those a little bit, like a couple throwaway squads to grab those tokens on infested fields or a flotilla or a super cheap ship uh, in your fleet for most wanted, um, they're really easy to leverage and they're going to come up a lot. So um, something to think about, not that you should just default to those, but um, they're really easy to include a piece that, that allows you to leverage them. So just something I'm hearing as we're talking about them and I'm going, Hmm, yeah, this is probably something we need to point out. All right, so the last type of archetypal fleet that we're going to talk about is a, a fleet that includes strategic. And I would consider this to be a fleet that has two or more strategic squadrons. Killorn, you kind of talked about um, having that one strategic squadron so you can leverage, like, capture the VIP or something like that. But um, uh, what, Armchair, what are some objectives that you leverage with multiple strategic squadrons? Well, I mean, it's 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 anything with tokens and and bonus points if you've got a guy named Morala with you. Um, so, uh, stuff like on in the blues, you've got stuff like sensor net. Uh, you've got stuff like, um, I mean, Intel sweep. There's only one token with Intel sweep. It's not a great choice for for strategic. Um, the same way something like uh, capture the the VIP is because now you can 
potentially go grab extra of those tokens that your opponent didn't think he might uh, uh, he might be able to get. Uh, infested fields is a good one if you can manage your um, you know go grab those tokens but don't get munched by your own exagorths. Uh, I've seen I've had that happen to me. I've seen that happen to my opponent. It's not uh, it's not fun when that happens. Um, <clears throat> depending on your the rest of your fleet comp, you might look at something like um, which one was it? Fire lanes, because if you can take those fire lane tokens and chuck them underneath an opponent's ship, you score them automatically, and that's that's a great way to to, to sink your opponent. Um, the reds with his I, I I can't think of a red that's got uh, tokens to play with. Um, so I think I just kind of go back to the honestly only targeting beacons, targeting beacons, and that's Tar- it. Oh, targeting beacon. Yeah. No. Yes. So mostly I, I only t- with Morallo. Uh, yeah, I was yes. gonna say we we need to, we need to have a little conversation about Morallo here because cautionary Morallo, tale. Yeah. So Mor- the thing about Morallo is that he, he. So those of you that don't know, let me pull up Morallo here and, and read him so that everybody can can understand what the hell we're talking about when we say Morallo. So Morallo states that his ability is that when an objective token at distance one to two and not on an obstacle is moved or removed from the play area, you may move up to distance one and attack as if you were activated. Now with Morello, you see people trying to leverage this and move the tokens, you know, 10, 12, sometimes even 15 times in a single turn. Morello attacking you with two blue dice 15 times a turn against your ship stuff's going to die. Trust me. It just, it's just going to die. You know, and so to do that, the, the Morello players are going to take targeting beacons, fire lanes, and there's a couple of options that they can take as the blue, but I think normally uh, they're taking what? Um, Salvage run Fox or sensor net. More often than not sensor net, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, the, the idea here is just that you want to, is that if you see a morale fleet, understand what they're trying to do, you're almost always going to want to pick targeting beacons because they don't score points off of those tokens when they move them around like they would with fire lanes or sensor net. Um, you know, so, but even then, you know, you can't stop the morale um, move and shoot thing unless you have a way to stop the the lambdas that are kind of the backbone of the whole thing of the strategic. So that's kind of the exception uh, to how uh, to to this in the strategic sense. You know, the traditional you're going to choose strategic types of squads. Uh, you're going to take sensor net and you're going to take fire lanes and you're going to do what the Foxhawk did uh, and just try and uh, score points off that. And alternatively, you have one big ship you know, um, in the Starhawk or whatever that has advanced gunnery and it's going to shoot you out the front twice or shoot you out the side twice. Uh, and it's just going to be a monster to deal with. Uh, and that's typically what you see with these kinds of farming fleets. Yeah, there's there's two different styles of fleets that are going to utilize strategic, and that's Morallo and like a standard farming fleet. Mor- Morallo is using strategic offensively. Um, a farming fleet is using it um, like for farming for defensively. Um, and it's got the, the same problem that those 134 plus large non-strategic fleets do with yellows in the reds. Um, there is no real objective unless you're Morallo where you can leverage a red using strategic. Um, and so often you kind of have to include a piece that's gonna, that's gonna leverage it. So, um, you need squads with bomber so you can leverage precision strike. You need a large so that you can leverage advanced gunnery. You need um, a lot of ships and a flotilla in yours so you can leverage most wanted. So this, it's going to be a consideration um, for you to like kind of mold your fleet around it if you want to go a strategic route. They're really good fleets to fly. You kind of really need to be second player for them to work effectively, but you can really screw up your opponent's plan. Like if they have salvage run, you can totally screw that up. Um, so uh, they're really cool ships. I would try it out. Um, so uh, that's all the archetypes we have set up for us. Um, I, I, I just I just thought of another one. Do you want to do a, oh, a quick, uh, yeah, a quick one hot take style? 
Uh, squadless. Ooh, that's good. Thank Ooh, you. Can, do you want to take a, a crack at this, Fox? Or do you want me to? Yeah, yeah I can Go do it. it. So if you're squadless, usually, well, I mean, it could be, there are different ways to do it. Like you can do um, large ships and squadless, or you can do um, like a bunch of time, like like pure MSU. But I think a, a re, the, what you're going to be trying to do is a mix between either eliminating their ships as fast as possible, their carriers, or um, you are going to uh, limit the effectiveness of their squads or like block certain spots um, from squads getting there. So um, I would be looking at uh, like a red objective. I would be looking at something like stay uh, surprise attack um, so that I can get to their carrier or I can, I can plot, I can plant their carrier uh, exactly where I want them to be. I would be looking at um, most wanted again is really, really good um, or advanced gunnery. Those are really, really good. I, I would try to include a ship that would want advanced gunnery. If I've got two big ships, that type of thing for my defensive ones, asteroid tactics, because those exegorts are great at blocking my opponent from being in certain places, like their squads. Um, I would use hyperspace assault so I could teleport into their fleet. Um, and like immediately be where their carrier is. Um, jamming barrier is also a really interesting one uh, because um, uh, for reasons I can't really think of right now, I've seen jamming barrier used like with a squadless fleet against squads to, to great effect because when you shoot across the barrier, it still takes away um, dice because uh, it's while attacking, period. It's not while a ship is attacking or something. So that's that could be potentially good. That That's a little bit a higher skill level, I think. Um, and then for navigation, infested fields, again. Uh, minefields is great because you can limit deployment zone for your opponent's fragile carriers. Uh, and uh, if they decide to like fly away from you, they'll fly right into that minefield. So you can limit their ability to get away from you. Um, solar Corona, so that you can see your opponent's entire deployment um, is really, really great. Volatile Deposits is really, really good if you're squadless um, because that crit that you can land hits all ships or squadrons at distance one of the chosen obstacle. So if they're like bunching up their squadrons, getting ready for that bombing run or whatever, or if they're protecting from flak, like if you've got a bunch of munificence or, or support recusants that have that red flak and can shoot super far away, if they're hiding behind that rock, cool, I'm going to shoot that ship right beside that rock, and now all of those squads get hit for one um, or two if you roll three crits. So um, that's I think that's probably where I would start. Um, anyone else have other suggestions? I just wanted to to toss a couple more in there, and uh, none of these I don't I don't think two of these are going to be too much of a surprise. Uh, but opening salvo is kind of interesting uh, if you're playing a a squadless type of fleet because that means that you don't necessarily have to kill everything to get points, um, and you know you, you again you're looking at kind of a battle of attrition type of, of thing. Uh, on the the yellows, uh, planetary ion cannons for the same reason that we were talking about it in the MSU fleet that you're just getting additional sources of damage um, uh, and rift ambush uh, because rift ambush lets you get your ships to their ships faster by using the slingshot effect. So a couple of interesting options. I think you covered all the blues that I would, I would, I would bring up Fox armchair. Did you have any that you wanted to add here? Uh, no, I think that was it. I, I was going to, I was going to touch on uh, volatile deposits, but Fox did I, the, the, the special thing about volatile to flock. Volatile deposits in an anti-squad role is that the damage is just done. There's no scattering. There's no bracing. It just happens. So that is great for for people like um, Delta Anakin, Shara, uh, those really annoying ones that you don't want to have to attack. If you can, you know, splatter them a couple times with a volatile deposit crit, that really eats into their staying power. So this week, Fox, I believe that our hot take is actually a mystery to to Armchair and I. Correct. Yeah, I, I don't even know if you guys are ready for this. It's time for Hot Take 30. So, 
Um, I have. Uh, it better not be anything to do with goddamn marshmallows, like we talked about <laughs> on the damn channel today. I had a freaking nauseum. Oh my god, I was about ready to kill some people in there. Why? I don't. I don't know how this is so divisive. Like, let's I, talk I, and about I realize. No, let's yeah. talk about marshmallows <laughs> for a second because. Here's the deal. The only way to absolutely guarantee the inside you is admit you're gooey wrong? and delicious is if you set that bad boy on fire. It's the only way to do it. And it and it, it creates a shell that contains the gooiness so that you can apply oh. it however you want. You just got to get over the burnt You can't taste. handle the truth. You sure can't. <laughs> you can't handle it, Fox, because in no way it, it, or shape or form should one set food on fire before consuming it. That's you, the bottom line. You should know this, Fox. You work in a restaurant. There are literally dozens of examples of setting things on fire to cook it. Like, the only one that I accept is creme brulee. <laughs> you might be. Anyways. Uh, uh, <laughs> so what's our actual hot take before we fly so completely off the rails? Our, our actual hot take is... <laughs> I was just getting warmed up for this. Can, can you handle this? Like, good, good heavens. I'm going to have a hard time saying hot this with a straight face. Okay. Do it. Do it. <laughs> okay. Ravioli is just wet Pop-Tart soup. <laughs> That's my hot take for today. <laughs> Kellorn, how do you feel about that? My head is in my hands on my desk. I I I don't even know that I have an opinion here. I I don't like pop tarts and I don't like ravioli. Like what? Maybe this is a thing. You don't like pop tarts or ravioli? No. I, okay. Like it was to the point where I was at this party in Washington D.C. when I was there a few weeks ago, and one of like the party appetizers. They had cut up strawberry pop tarts and put them on a tray and were serving them with like there was this high class dessert. I'm like, this is the most yabo goddamn appetizer I've ever seen in my damn life. And I like what was like a faux high high society type of party. I was like, what the hell is going on here? And so I good. ate it anyway, of course. But like, what the actual fuck, As man? Does. Like seriously. <laughs> Wow. Armchair, how do you feel about Pop-Tarts and slash or ravioli? Um, I I have enjoyed both in my time. I mean, I feel like my Pop-Tart days are in the past. Um, but my goodness, they were great when we go camping. You wake up in the morning, you just crack open a cold Pop-Tart, and that's your that's your breakfast. You never, never light them on fire, Fox. We're full uh, circle. You there. Light ravioli on fire. Um, you, so yeah, you go camping I, and you bring a can of ravioli. You bring your pop tarts. Yeah. You bring your your yeah. marshmallows. You light all of them on fire. Yeah. None, none of them, Fox. Not none of them. Were you never? Fox, we, are, we are never like, ever going camping. Like, a, I don't like camping? camping, and B, if you're gonna light all the food on fire, I'm gonna be very upset if I go no. camping with you. <laughs> That's my idea of camping cuisine is just sticking a stick in something and then putting it straight into the fire. Dude, all I, all I can think about going camping is oh like cooking goodness. bacon on an open fire in like a cast iron skillet. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. That's that's, that's, ca that's camping to me. I, I just I just picture Fox pulling out the cooler, flipping it open, emptying the lighter fluid inside, flicking a match, and <laughs> pulling back right, in ten guys. minutes and see what he can scoop uh, up. Dig in. I would I would not, <laughs> would not, not put it past it. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. That's medium rare. You like your stuff well, well done? So Fox, where the hell did this rav where the hell did this ravioli pop tart thing even come from? Like I don't even know. Like I've never heard this before in my life and it's mm. just like blowing my mind. So I am on a website called wikihow.com and it is hot takes oh examples, controversial hot takes and oh my god, spicy debates. You want another one? Oh. Celery um, is celery is trash, and you should feel bad for liking it. <laughs> absolutely, one hundred percent agree. I agree with this. How, how is that one? Like, how is that even like a question? Like, how is that divisive? Like, <laughs> like I, I, I mean, celery is like eating works. water. Yeah, with those um, strings. Eat those little strings. Oh, they're they're, they're animal hot takes. Um, 
uh, horses should be house pets. What? I, my mom like, has like a miniature horse. Like, horse you baby. do not want a horse as a house pet. Trust me. <laughs> the amount of urine and shit that they that they dispense is absolutely unreal. All right, brand hot take. If you flatten a McDonald's cheeseburger into a disc, it tastes so much better. What? I don't know how it could taste worse. (laughs) (laughs) So go for it. Uh, All right. I used to make it. I believe that that, what is it, rule forty seven or whatever? Like this is this is the rule forty seven of hot takes right here. Thirty six? Yeah, whatever. Thirty six. Oh dear God. All right. Well, anything else uh, that we want to cover before we uh, close it up for the night? Going to go have me some Pop-Tart soup for dessert. Mm, <laughs> wet Pop-Tart soup. Mmm. <laughs> Sounds All good. Right. Well, well I, next week we'll probably... Do we, do we have an idea of what we want to do next week? I don't think we have any... Do we have any tournaments to cover this weekend? Uh, well, this coming weekend is what day? The 4th? Oh, it's Osmo weekend? this weekend. Osmo is this weekend uh, mm-hmm. in um, in Arkansas. I know that. Oh, that's what Osmo is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ozark, Ozark Mountain. Mountain Open. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's that one. And then, yeah, not much until the weekend of the 10th, 11th. There's a, a bunch of them. And then December is when all the world qualifiers start popping off. Yeah, because like Downsize it was one of our first guests on the podcast, like ever. So he's, he's running that one up in, uh, in, in Arkansas. So. If you if you want if you're looking for something to do this weekend and want to go up to the Osmo Open, yeah, look that up. I believe that they have a, a store championship kept, uh, uh, with an invite on the line as well. So, alrighty, well, we will come back to you next week. Maybe uh, we can take some uh, suggestions on uh, another 102, 102, 101, 102 type of class in Armada, and go from there. But until then, fly safe. Thank you for listening to the Armada Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with the show on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at Armada Podcast. Join us on Discord with the link in the show notes. Until next time.